There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Satan, you bow your knee. Satan, you bow your knee. You fall on your face. You fall on your face. COVID-19. Listen, guys, uh, I want to address something here. Uh, uh, last week, we were talking, we were talking, well, first of all, I will say this week on Feel Good Friday, uh, we're going to throw to a conversation with a, uh, a specialist who knows everything and anything about vaccines. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I had a lot of questions answered that, that I was hoping to have answered, and I'm excited for everyone to hear it. But on the topic of vaccines... Last week, we were talking about vaccines, and we were talking about how much we don't know jack shit about vaccines, and I think I stated that there was not an HPV vaccine, to which we received a number of messages from people to inform us that, indeed, there is an HPV vaccine, and, and when I got those messages, I was like, oh, right, of course, yeah, of course there's an HPV vaccine, that's like like they give it out at schools now, I believe. Also, to, really, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, but we, I, do we, do we have it? I uh, have it. Oh, we, I we, should have said something. I don't remember, but I've gotten it. Yeah, you get we like, have. Three th- it was, why didn't you say something, Lauren? <laughs> Speak up. <laughs> um, uh, so so the, I think the reason why I thought we didn't have it is because I was thinking about vaccines not as a preventative, but vaccines as like a like a a cure or a curative it's like it's like you you need to have it and then they give you the vaccine and then you're cured of it which is so fucking dumb because like obviously that's not that's not only the case right when mm-hmm. it comes to vaccines um doesn't like 150 percent of all people have hpv or something there's so yeah yeah there's Did some, you say 150 percent i think yeah. i believe it's three thousand percent of all humans ever yeah. that have ever existed have HPV. there's this term in english the english language it's called it's called <laughs> called hyperbole yes uh, familiar with it yeah and uh, i and the I, the, I, the oxford dictionary definition of that is a fanciful exaggeration of the truth did you that just, was an, wow. That was so that you was memorized un- the definition, but you don't pick up on it in conversation. Did you, no, yeah, did you no, memorize that because you came I, up with I have, that way quicker than you should have? I just know it, but also that wow. wasn't a fanciful exaggeration of the truth. That was an unbelievable exaggeration <laughs> okay, of the truth, right. which therefore makes it not a hyperbole. S- well, I, I'm, semantics. I, I don't want to talk out of school here, but I think it's it's somewhere between like 150 people. Have HPV or 150 percent of, of people have it. A- anyway, whatever. A lot of people have HPV. Um, however, uh, there is a vaccine, and there's there's vaccines for a bunch of other things in the world. You know what? I'll tell you, there isn't a vaccine for though. Actually, here uh, I don't like to. I don't want to get too political on the show. Um, I don't like to get political on the show, but I feel like I can't not share this. This is <laughs> the president of the United God, States of America. Uh, they- have come up with things and they've come up with many other cures and therapeutics over the years. These are the people, the best, the smartest, the most brilliant anywhere. And they've come up with uh, the AIDS vaccine. Oh no. They've come <laughs> up with, or the AIDS. And they, as you know, there's various things and now various companies are involved, but the therapeutic for AIDS 
AIDS was a death sentence. And the therapeutic for AIDS. So, so I, I, apparently that part, that part, that part was thing. that part was true. The, uh, the 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 therapeutics for AIDS. Yes, the therapeutics for everything. But there's no fucking AIDS vaccine, dude. Yeah. Well, no, I know. I mean, saying vaccine and AIDS was obviously a major misstep. But there are <laughs> a major misstep. But I'll play. I'll play devil's. I'll play devil's advocate for. for I'll, I'll play a devil's advocate for Trump here uh, right now. Oh, because, that's lovely. That's what we all love. Yeah. Everyone loves a devil's advocate for Donald Trump. <laughs> Taylor, well, Taylor, Taylor, well. Taylor loves being a devil's advocate for all manner of people. <laughs> For all, for all for all things because everyone deserves one, yeah. uh, in my personal opinion. Okay, and uh, and I would say that not that piece of doo doo. No, not you him. know what if he, he if doesn't he deserve it. He, if he no, hadn't, he's, have, um, he's had enough. He's had enough he, chances. He doesn't deserve. A if he act. hadn't, if he if he hadn't finished that sentence with, um, you know, AIDS used to be a death sentence, and well, I guess AIDS still is a death sentence, but HIV is a different story. And I pro- and if oh. I had to, if oh, I had oh. to, uh, oh. And if I had to assume, I'd say semantics. Those semantics. Probably that's probably what he meant. You know, I'm not a Donald Trump fan by any stretch of the imagination. Two different things. uh, Two different things. I'll give him him the benefit of the. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Although it did sound extremely stupid. Anyway, it's it's okay for us to think that uh, there isn't an HPV, or for me to say there isn't an HPV vaccine, because uh, again, like we've said time and time again. Uh, especially to, to 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 the people who leave reviews of our podcast on Apple Podcasts, who seem to forget the fact that we don't know shit, uh, and the reason we have these conversations on the show is so that we can learn and and figure these things out. But when you're the president of the United States, I mean, it just does it just does the world better if you know something. Yeah, you know, or if you like, don't know, like, or if you don't know, don't say it. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> shut your mouth if you. That's don't That's probably know. the most fascinating thing is the saying the saying the things that you clearly don't understand like, <laughs> yeah that's the it's like just stay in your lane and you'd be, you'd be, dude you'd be so much better off <laughs> dude he likes well he eat. wouldn't be the president if he stayed in his lane <laughs> yeah you're probably right that's what's fa- that's what's so fascinating <laughs> he is a lane swerver i will tell you that he fucking... he's tokyo drifting out into insanity and he's bringing us all with him <laughs> tokyo drifting into God, insanity. It's, been a, it's been a wild four yeah. years everybody um yeah. so anyway speaking about lanes uh we will throw to a conversation later where we speak to a specialist who is very much in the lane of vaccines, and we talk all uh, things uh, the related, best to, to, related to uh, the COVID vaccine, and it's it's actually a really fascinating conversation. Um, uh, how, a tremendous! How are, it was tremendous. It was. Tre- it's a tremendous. It was a tremendous conversation. It was one of the best conversations. It was probably one of the most the smartest, most intellectual conversations we've ever had. Um, Huge. I was uh, another thing I was thinking about this week was just how much. Um, how much? Maybe I should, maybe I should shouldn't bring this this one up. Well, uh, you kind of have to now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess somebody commented the other day. They said my favorite thing is about Sick Boy podcast is the way that they say we should cut that out or we shouldn't talk about this, and then always do. So I feel like it would yeah. be on brand. In, yeah, to continue in the early going days, down this this lane. In the early <laughs> days, it was we got to cut this out, and now it's just I I don't know if we should talk about this. Well, I've been watching. <laughs> uh, I've been watching a lot of porn since uh, COVID started. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's your jam? Um. You know, uh, wait, in, in terms of website or, or like where I get my porn or what kind of porn? You just tell me everything. Well, you know, like, I, you know, I, I've been I definitely I'm not going to lie. I've watched I've watched I've dabbled into some of the some of the like the uh, like COVID mask porn. Just, 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 just <laughs> That's not a thing. Actually, I'm no. not surprised. That is very much a thing, Brian. Oh, yeah, definitely a thing. Do the masks have, like, holes that open and close, like, for Mm. the things Mm -hmm. we've seen so far for Mm. food? No, (laughs) no, there's no glory holes in the masks. Um, That's too bad. uh, But but that's not where I was going with this. So I, I I was, you know, in watching a lot more porn, um, I've also kind of been noticing that before COVID, I would, I would be watching porn and I'm really just there for the action and then I'm out. But now I got so much time at home, you know, I'm like trying to really figure, get, trying to get into the story. Figure, yeah. Figure out things to do. And I'm like, fuck, you know, like I've, I've watched everything on Netflix. I've watched everything on Crave. Maybe I'll start watching like, What's the writing like in these porns that I'm watching? And uh, uh, I, I, you know, dabbling into some, some like 
health. Jeremy watch. Jeremy watches full length, full length porn porn movies with yeah. the, where, where the where the sex scenes are actually taken out. So he's just <laughs> so he's so he's just watching the plot the plot line. So I, yeah. I, I found this one to be quite interesting. This is a uh, this is porn. This is a porn that is right up our alley because it it dives into a uh, subject matter that is very much. Uh, 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 t- uh, yeah, taboo, uh, but, but very much a theme that we've we've covered a lot on the show, which is um, family life, which is um, death. Uh, yeah, which is which is doctor uh, death, um, uh, uh, doctor Jesus Christ, assistance <laughs> in death, death and dying, assistant. What, what, what is, <laughs> oh my god, med- medical assistance in dying. Oh my Sorry, god, maid, 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 oh maid, maid. Uh, yeah, so th- so it has to do with maid, and I so I was like, wow, this is interesting. I'm gonna watch this one. How does this story play out? And so here, I'll give you a little context. How this works is that there's a there's a nurse and she's taking care of a patient and the patient's just like he's not feeling great and he's he's really done. With, Wait, we're with, about to watch this right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait, yeah. is he on his? So is he on his deathbed, like waiting to get the, well, the treatment? He, he wants. Yeah, he wants maid. Um, but but maid's <laughs> like, not. Is it that in depth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maid's not legal yet. And okay. so, and so I'm, I'm so, guessing this is taking place somewhere in the U.S. And so uh, <laughs> he, he can't have made. And, and so the nurse is like, how the, deep the, is yeah, this? It goes deep. How, how deep is the writing? It goes deep. Right? How, like how deep? It goes real deep. Um, uh, <laughs> so, so, she, so he wants made, but she, she's like, she doesn't want to give it to him because he, he really doesn't qualify. He's really just, he's just having a hard time, I think. And so, so I'll leave it at that. And here, here we go. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna pause it here for a second. Um, uh, for the more context, I need more context. Yeah, yeah. For the for those of you who aren't aware of, um, y- you're obviously hearing this. You're not seeing it. Um, uh, but what is happening here is the nurse is entering the the treatment room uh, where her patient is laying on on the bed. Nurse, you gotta help me. I can't take it anymore. You gotta end my misery. Mr. Green, are you sure you wanna do this? I mean, there's. Also, I'm just gonna pause it. Uh, that, that outfit, uh, I don't know where, where this hospital is, but I'm pretty sure. That is not a part of the typical nurses' union outfits, uh, dude. It gonna, is. It yeah, is. I, it I, is I, in uh, in in London, England now because they had to borrow all those outfits <laughs> yeah. from the, from the sex shop. <laughs> Ryan, just for anyone who didn't hear that episode, do you want to just give a little context as to what that meant? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there a, a company in England that was providing like uh, uh, role playing nurse outfits to frontline staff That's during right. the uh, COVID crisis because they didn't have PPE or sufficient uniforms? There was a PPE cri- uh, shortage, and so they started getting their PPE from a fetish website that had like medical mm. sexual fetish uh, uh, outfits. So yeah, you know what? This it, maybe this is an English production. So much um, more believable now. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't hear the accent, but you could be right. Um, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's continue. So many reasons to live. Like what? My health? Well, music. I listen to goth. Movies? I watch porn, which only makes me horny and reminds me that I have no one. Children? They throw rocks at me. Well, That's my I can't line. do this, they, Mr. Green. They this isn't even legal. Legal doesn't take the pain away, nurse. Well, then take an aspirin or something. Only if you have some of that sniffling, sneezing, coughing, aching, stuffy head fever so I can die, medicine. <laughs> this ain't a cold, nurse. I'm ready to go. Okay, so I, again, I'm going to pause here. You can't see it, but the nurse oh, turns God. around and she grabs, oh, she, she grabs a syringe, which which I'm I'm guessing is the syringe that holds the uh, the death juice. Yeah, the death juice, <laughs> uh, whatever the concoction is that would be used to put someone uh, put someone down. Put that away. I don't want any drugs. Then how are we going to do this, Mr. Green? I want to go out the same way I came in. <laughs> How's that? Well, I was born by the snatch, and I don't want to die by the snatch. So come up here and sit on my face and take my breath away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is wonderful. God, the writing. And that's where it uh, ends? That's it. I, I had to stop it there because uh, it got, what? Well, well, we'll just say it got, uh, got not graphic. PG. Not PG. God, the writing on that is, is it's like, it's, 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 
it's along the same lines as as like writing a Tim and Eric episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like it's the like let's write something that's let's write something that's like so horrifically awfully comedic that it's hilarious. Sit on my face and take my breath away. That's I, I mean, you know what? That, it's a pretty it's a pretty great line there. But, I really like well, that. Thanks for sharing that, Jeremy. So yeah, yeah so that's uh, that is uh, how I've been spending my time. In, in, that's in wonderful. Quarantine. Yeah. My guess was that she was gonna smother him, and I was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not with a pillow. I, I mean, she no. she probably could smother him with those pillows, but um, yeah, but yeah. So uh, uh, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this felt like a hard transition. No pun. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a feel good Friday episode, though. That's what I'm trying to do because the, the vaccine conversation that we do have coming up, uh, you know, it's like it. There's some. There, we have some good questions answered, but also. It's like it is some real talk, you know, it's some things that uh, might not make all of us feel the greatest, it, you know, per se. Um, but I, I've got one last thing here that I wanted to show you guys that um, that I actually I really want to get your take on this, because personally, I think this is fucking absolutely absurd. But maybe that's me just playing into my like black mirror loving like dark dystopian sci-fi self and and my mind just kind of getting away from me um here i'll I'll start this by by reading a a little excerpt from from the article that this comes from so the article is titled throat swabbing robot uh and this comes from the robotreport.com which is which is actually a a website (laughs) all about the business of of robots being implemented into the world (laughs) Totally. Is it reputable? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's all about like it's all about um, it's about robots, dude. It's, dude, it's just about ro- robotics in and and business. It's like it's you gotta about, say robotics. Once you say robotics, it sounds way more legit. If it was way, called yeah. the robotics report, I would have been totally. I wouldn't even have asked that question. Yeah. The robot report. Um, so it says that uh, Lifeline Robotics has created an an autonomous throat swabbing robot to test for the novel coronavirus. Espin Ustergard. Uh, this is coming out of uh, Sweden, I believe. Uh, co-founder of Universal Robots and Reinvest Robotics is one of the company's co-founders. So here, check out this video of this of this fucking robot doing the swab, and tell me, tell me what like would you would you fucking do this? One thought was if we could start automating this, uh, you know, automating doing the testing. It seemed to be one of the keys to deal with this virus in a good way. This is to help the healthcare system uh, in collecting the samples. Okay, so, okay. so if you, you, look, wow. if you want to see this, okay, I, I implore you, if you're at home listening, go just Google throat swabbing robot or go to the robotreport.com and then throat swabbing robot. This, okay, so what we're looking at here is a gentleman... Who has his head inserted into a, a vice that is exactly vicing his skull from top of head to chin? Okay, so so that's like stabilizing his face, his fucking head. He's got his mouth all the way open, and a robot with a swab that is I don't know, maybe like seven inches long, slowly just starts fucking pushing into this guy's face to to swab. Has been to oh, it makes me gag just thinking about it. Results at the same time. So collaborating with the university and, oh my and God, multiple dude. other partners have been quite uh, amazing. The university has really stepped up uh, and they've thrown everything they had at this. I don't think this. so, man. And, uh, would, I, I, I what, would imagine that if a robot, robot was... What's going to stop it, it from going, snap, 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 snap? You but know, if it like, was sticking, if it was sticking that in your throat, wouldn't you just want to like? Wouldn't you not trust it and you just pull back? Like I would I'm, pull away from that, man. I wouldn't let that thing fucking go all the way down my throat. Dude, there's guys who work like there, there's men, women, people of of all all genders and all all types of people work in in factories with fucking robots. And those fact those factory robots, Christ, an Amazon robot crushed a, an Amazon worker last year. Like, <clears throat> see, I don't understand, like. Robots There's, are going to be the death of us. This is what I'm but saying. You, you, you know, you know when you know when you see this is a prime example of it. I think. Oh, let's make a robot for this, and this is like, well, th- this is this isn't this isn't complicated. Like, just give somebody a, a 
just give somebody a swab and tell them to swab their throat. Like, okay. What, what? Right. Well, well, because they're trying to save no, they're trying no. to save time and money with with yeah, with, you, with you, ro- consistency robots, right? in the swab. Dude. Yeah, you, you can't do that. You can't give you can't give a patient a swab and expect them to know how to fucking do it properly. That's no, yeah, but if it's hire but somebody. If it's, but if it's as but the if if things are like the throat swab is a lot easier than the um than the nose swab. Sure, of course. So so the so the barrier for like self testing from. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is the in the nose swab is that it, you just can't give it to people because it's too hard for people to self-administer that. But the throat swab is 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 something that that they said they can like just justly expect people to do for themselves. But this right. isn't a this isn't a take home robot. You're not like people aren't going to the fucking Best Buy and buying one of these robots to go home and administer self-administer throat no, the, swabs. No, the, no like, I'm saying that that's why the robot is is unnecessary. Well, here, that's why you're saying it's unnecessary. I want to read to you some more of the article that tells you more about the robot. But before I do, Lauren, uh, is it true? Like, have you gotten an STI test recently? Do they get you to swab your own vagina? Yes. Okay. So they'll trust you with that. They'll trust, they'll trust a woman to properly swab the vagina. Cause I'm feeling like, I'm feeling if you gave a swab to a human and their, and your, and their goal is to swab their throat. I, man, I don't think I would know how to, well, they would tell you how to, or there'd be some yeah. type of how it's to. It's not complicated. It's not right. cool. Is it not, what though? Is it? Where is it going to go wrong? Well, yeah, like, what do you mean? Maybe maybe you, maybe you don't, like, maybe you, I, I don't know. Look, like I said at the beginning of this episode, all, okay. all I know, all I know is is porn. That's the only thing I know. I, it's, it, all I know is porn. And so I'm saying it's like, it's like, you know, like, if, no, no, hold on, hold on. Like, what I'm robots is, that you need that are just like superfluous. It's like. It's like, oh, we developed this robot to, to hand you your chips and hand, like no, one chip listen, at a time. And you're like, I can do that with my fucking hand. I know. I don't need I know. The- I know. But what I'm saying is yeah. that it, maybe there's like a, maybe there's a, you know, if I was to swab my own throat, I don't, I'm not a doctor. Is there a certain a, a way that the inside of the throat needs to be scraped or a certain amount of times or a certain area that needs to be scraped as opposed to just stick the swab in, let it touch fucking any part of the inside of my mouth and then pull it out. You know well, what I mean? Well, test, yeah. but, you're, but if you're, it was a take-home test, would tell you like it, it would either a doctor or a nurse would tell you, or it would come with like a Lauren when like you a little, when you like a little when slip. When you swab your, throat, your, your when you swab I, like your vagina, do they do yeah. they go? Hey, this is how you do it, or do they just well, go? Here you go. A vagina is much smaller than a mouth. Well, and most okay. cases, I've been watching a lot of porn lately, and uh, let me tell well, you, there's only there's only so many places it could go. But you know what? If I, you know, it's I'm so single right now, and I've spent so much time alone. I would let that thing swab my throat. It would be the most. It would be the biggest thrill I've had in a while. Okay, all right. Here, I'll read the rest of this article. Like so many, okay. so this is the this is the uh, this is Espen Olstergard, the co-founder. Uh, mm. Like so many others, I was horrified to see the rapid development of the COVID-19 crisis, and I felt I had to do something, said Ostergaard. With my background, the obvious choice was to automate the testing process. The current manual process is difficult and cumbersome. A machine will, re- <laughs> a machine will reduce the risk of infection among healthcare staff and patients. That, that, that might be true but about the healthcare staff. As well as give higher quality test results. That I'm that I that I don't know. The throat swabbing robot has already received two million DKK, which is two hundred and ninety thousand US dollars, in the funding from Vic Stolfruden, which is the Danish state's investment fund. That's uh, Danes. Uh, its future development is also supported by Odense University Hospital. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes into a whole bunch of uh, shit about about the, the people backing it. But the, uh, they said the robot holds great potential for mass screenings for, for. Okay, this is this is interesting. Holds great potential for mass screening for COVID and other virus infections. It could be used in healthcare facilities, border control offices, and airports or airports. I could see. Okay. I could see but- that working at an airport. I, I get it from the perspective of like you don't want a uh, a nurse to go in there and have to swab a person's throat if they potentially have an infectious <laughs> virus, right? Yeah, right. yeah. So like yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense to protect the healthcare uh, practitioners so that they don't contract whatever they might be potentially <laughs> swabbing for. But I don't know. Like, could you just hand them a a, a swab and still get them to do it themselves? 
it just seems to me like, you know, those infomercials where people have the hardest time bending over to tie a shoe yes. or cracking an egg and it just becomes needlessly complicated. I have so much <laughs> trouble with that. <laughs> like, yeah. That to me is what it seems like they're trying to make it out to be. Are you, Are you always fumbling with all the cups in your cupboard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Are you know. tired of having a difficult time swabbing the throats of your patients? I mean, I it's honestly, almost as difficult as swabbing the vagina. My, <laughs> we have a solution. My, uh, my, I think my, you know, my greatest, my greatest uh, qualm with this is is when we do when we do reach the the singularity and and. Mm-hmm. And we hit mm-hmm. AI. It's like this is just another tool for that AI to right. to to like m- to mass murder a bunch mm-hmm. of humans. You know, it's just yeah. like we we already have enough of that shit. And this is this is just an now right. now now we're getting robots to go inside our throats. Come on, guys. Yes. Yeah, this is uh, I'm right there. I'm right there with you on that. You know what's really funny, Taylor, is I hear the sarcasm in the way you're saying that. But I would implore you to actually listen to a couple hey, of podcasts about. About I'm an Elon, the dangers I'm an Elon, of AI. I'm an, I'm an Elon Musk fan, man. I'm 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 listening to I'm li- you, dude. You you know me. I'm then, listening to all sides. Then I'm taking in all the information. Conspiracy theorist. Yeah, conspiracy theorist and Donald Trump's uh, uh, sympathizer. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> and flat earther. <laughs> well, uh, this has come full circle. It sure has. Um, uh, maybe we should. Uh, maybe we should throw. Oh, Bri, you had something you wanted to you wanted to mention before I throw this episode. I don't think so. I. I mean, I'm. Uh, I don't really have anything that I want to mention to you guys. I'm sure there's a TikTok video in here somewhere, but anyway, that's another story. Um, I should say. Um, Wait. Whoa. 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa. You can't just breeze over. Uh, what? Breeze over what? Brian made a TikTok account today. I saw a notification come in. Wait. Where where did you see a notification? Uh, yeah, Brian, I, we, we got an email about verifying a Twitter account or a, no no no, a, a dude. TikTok that was uh, that was Lauren. Lauren was just uh, doing oh, some research. She was analyzing around? the landscape. She was checking right. out the landscape too. I just making that. a test account. See? I saw see that, what it's all I saw about. That, I saw that fucking email. It was an authorization <laughs> code for TikTok. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't know, did guys. You, did you have, authorize it? You'd have to download TikTok to go and see if we have an account. I'm not. I'm not oh sure. Oh my god! I don't want another social media app I, on my phone. God damn it! I told you, we're not doing TikTok. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're, so hey, we're we're not. Oh, <laughs> oh, so, oh, so, oh, just so who? You, oh, so just, just you? you? Are? No, 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 no. That, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, so what's the TikTok? What's the TikTok? Account I don't know, then? guys. You'll have to get TikTok to go and see if we have a presence there. I'm, I'm just fucking, saying. I'm not downloading that Chinese malware <laughs> onto my Jesus fucking Christ. phone. <laughs> <laughs> that Chinese malware. Well, you know what? You would be the one of the few people that aren't because currently there's like something like two billion users on TikTok. Yeah, just and they're, saying, and it's yeah, and they're just the big platform. They're just shoveling all their data over to Huawei and to the Chinese government. And the next thing you know, and then the next thing you know. They're going to put chips in our fucking vaccines, which we go into in this conversation that we are now about to throw to. Uh, So let's throw into our conversation with DKT, a.k.a. Dr. Karina Top. Uh, She is a doctor and she likes to have her name. uh, She likes to have her, her preface placed at the top of her name. And her name is Karina Top. It's a whole thing. So uh, we're going to get to this conversation uh, with uh, Dr. Karina Top, DKT, uh, about vaccinations. And we hope it answers some of the questions that you have had because it sure answered a few of ours. And uh, we will see you on the other side of this one. Um, well, hello, Doctor 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 Karina Top. Is it? Yeah. Is, is Doctor okay? Cool. Uh, just want to make sure. You know, I feel like what what is the what is the protocol there? Is it is it like once you become a doctor, are people supposed to call you Doctor from there? For you know, it's like if, I feel it, like, like there's many Chris comedy Had- skits about this. <laughs> Chris Hadfield. Chris Hadfield. I think is a Colonel, and and I'm pretty sure you like you call him Colonel or Commander Chris Hadfield. Like if I don't call you Doctor Karina Top, am I? Is that a, is that a faux pas? Uh, well, it's best for introductions, but then you know, right. uh, yeah. So with patients, I'm Doctor Top, um, and with you know junior trainees, but uh, you know, people that I work with every day, uh, 
Um, and, you know, once I get to know people or, or um, then it's just Karina. So. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I feel like we've, you know what, we, we've, we've been sitting here for about uh, four minutes and I feel like we've gotten to know you pretty good. Yeah, so uh, I'm just, you know, I'm going to go ahead and just call you uh, KT. Uh, and, yeah, it's cool, sweet. So, so Dr. KT. Um, uh, no, but you're not you... supposed to say Dr. KT. Then you just say KT. I like the mix. I what like about the mix DKT? I like that. Like, DKT. Know, so we're, just yeah, making, okay, cool. we're just making it up as we go here. Uh, Karina, you are a uh, associate professor of pediatrics. Um in the Division of Pediatric Infectious Disease, is that is that correct? Yes, yeah. Uh, cool. Um, uh, that's that's super fascinating. So a lot of your work is through Dalhousie University and through the IWK, which is the uh, wonderful children's hospital that we have here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big reason why we're we're talking to you today is to is to dive headfirst into a topic that I think there's a lot of people. Um, uh, very, very like the topic of vaccines is something that people are very curious about, I think, right now at this at this time in our lives, uh, considering that we're going through a global pandemic. And a couple of weeks back, we had a conversation amongst the three of us. Um, and I don't know if you know much about us, Karina, but um, we don't know much of anything. And we, <laughs> we were discussing vaccines. We speculate a lot. We speculate a whole <laughs> bunch. Uh, but one thing that we learned in this conversation that we were having was that typically vaccines, or, or historically, vaccines take a very long time to, to create. Um, and and we had in, in our like, research, we had found that the fastest vaccine ever made was the Ebola vaccine, which actually took about five years. Now, please jump in and correct me if I'm wrong. But I'll jump in and five. correct you. You said research. We Googled. Yeah, cool. <laughs> hey, that's research in 2020. Yeah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're, we're, living, we're living in the, the time of COVID-19. And I guess my first question to, to you, uh, uh, D, DKT, is um, uh, how, what, from your perspective, a professional in this world, how long are you thinking this is going to take for us to to see a vaccine for something like COVID-19? Yeah, no, so that's a great question. So you're right. I mean, generally for most vaccines, it takes, you know, 10 to 15 years from the lab to, you know, getting vaccines out to the public, to the population. Um, and uh, mumps vaccine, I think, was one that was actually done quite quickly. Um, Ebola vaccine, um, the certainly from the it got through the stages of clinical trials very quickly um, because, you know, it was similar to, although obviously not as um, globally, um, not as much of global impact, but there was, you know, a a large outbreak across multiple countries in West Africa in 2013 to 15. Um, And uh, so that really prompted, um, you know, spurred on the research to, to move some vaccines that had sort of stagnated because there wasn't like a market for them to, mm. into, um, into clinical development. And ultimately it was really only this past year that, um, the Merck, that Merck Ebola vaccine was actually licensed. Um, oh, wow. yeah. And because once the ep- epidemic went away, then the interest sort of declined as well until there right. was another outbreak in, in the democratic Republic of Congo. Um, but with COVID-19, what we're really seeing is it's really um, a, a massive global effort um, on a scale that has never been seen before in our history. Uh, and we also have the advantage now compared to even five years ago, 10 years ago of um, advan- you know, getting, taking advantage of technologies like um, gene sequencing that is much, much faster um, than it was even several years ago. Um, mm. And so, you know, the first um, cases now, they think that it was probably early December. The first cases were identified in China. It might have actually been a bit earlier, but certainly it was reported this um, pneumonia, um, unidentified pneumonia was reported by the uh, Chinese authorities to the World Health Organization back in on December 31st. And by January 12th, they published the sequence of the virus, which is I mean, within two weeks. So that, um, and so that allowed, is that like, is that unheard of? Yeah. Like, like this, this, like to, 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 to publish the sequencing so quickly. And, and I guess, is that because they, they realized, 
you know, I mean, what what is that? Like a two week period? Like, it, did it just take them that two weeks to go? Whoa, fuck! This is this is severe. Like, this is gonna this is going to have a detrimental effect, and we got to move quickly. Like, is that how fast they knew? Uh. Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, they were seeing, like, increasing cases of severe disease. So they, I mean, it was much, probably much more widespread in the community than, they, than anyone ever knew at that point. But they, it was just the idea from being able to isolate the virus from a patient to sequencing the entire virus and publishing the sequence of, you know, less than two weeks. I mean, that, yeah, that kind of speed we haven't seen before. But that allowed right. us to move very quickly into vac- developing vaccine. Uh, so there was a number of, um, I mean, people had been doing research on SARS, which was um, a close relative of this, of COVID, and co- the virus that causes COVID is called SARS-CoV-2, so it's sort of SARS-2. Um, so SARS, which, you know, had the outbreak in Toronto, China, and then Toronto in 2002 to 2003, um, it's a very closely related virus. So we had a bit of a head start, but again, once SARS went away, um, mm-hmm. And interest and funding for those kind of initiatives also decreased. So, um, but we were they were able to very quickly identify this spike protein, which is we've seen photos of, you know, the schematics of the virus. It's that um, it's sticking out all over the all around the virus, um, and identified that as probably a good target to to for vaccines. Um, and so they were able to very quickly. So by so that sequence was published in January, and by um, uh, early March, the first human trials of a vaccine started. So it was about 60 days. Uh, so that's in, unprecedented. Yeah. It, in terms of um, developing a, a vaccine for SARS-CoV-2, um, is, I've heard a lot of speculation about like whether or not a vaccine will be possible or not. Like you, you hear a lot of people talk about like, well, you know, there's been viruses that have happened before that they've never been able to come up with a vaccine for, or they've developed a, a quote-unquote vaccine, but it's something that you need to, you know, re-up every single year or so. It, is there, um, like, mentioning that, you know, we already had some of the work done because of the viruses that came before this and the similarity, um, can we say definitively that a vaccine is 100% possible, or is it, you know, possible that we won't be able to develop a, a vaccine for this in our lifetime? Well, I, I mean, I can't guarantee anything with 100%, but uh, I'd say we, but there's over 100 different vaccine candidates in different stages of development. And uh, so I think it's, it's, it's highly likely that we will get a vaccine, um, whether that's something that can be done, it's one and done or needs multiple doses or every year um, remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would be really optimistic. Uh, we have already, um, you know, an, uh, several vaccines, I think at least like close to 10 or maybe more worldwide that are in clinical trials currently, and they're already planning. So as they're starting one stage, there's, they're already, so there's three phases of clinical trials um, in humans. So it's the first one, phase one is just a few dozen people um, to mainly look at safety and then phase two, if it's safe based on phase one, then you go to phase two and that's several hundred people to make sure, again, it's safe, but also look at um, how the immune system's responding to it, to the vaccine. And then in phase three, you involve thousands of people and that's to make sure that the vaccine actually works. So if you need enough people to, so that you have people, ex- enough people exposed to the vac- to the virus that you can tell if there's a difference in infection between people who got the vaccine and people who got the placebo. Um, And so what they're doing is as they start one stage, they're planning the next stage um, and using preliminary, the the initial results before, rather than waiting for each stage to be done, they start the second stage as soon as they meet certain criteria from the previous stage. So, um, So there's already... I think they're starting phase two trials of this Moderna vaccine that's being tested in the United States already. Um, and they've already announced phase three is going to start in July in the U S so from that, from that point to like mass production, like is, is there, do, do we, because this is moving at such a, a fast rate that we've, we've really never seen before. Like, 
do you have any kind of thoughts or ideas of like if we got to phase three and they went, all right, green light, like this looks great, how long it might take from going from phase three to to like mass worldwide production? Yeah. So again, the all those things are already being planned for. So there's um, they're already starting to fund. So the U.S. is is starting to ramp up manufacturing of that particular vaccine. Um, and uh, and in Canada, wow. there's already, you know, government is collaborating with industry partners to make sure that the facilities are there to make vaccine. Um, in terms of timelines from that, so that you need to get the results from phase three, and then they would go to be submitted to um, the regulator. So the FDA and the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. or Health Canada in Canada that actually license the vaccine. So they have to do an independent review. And normally that process takes about a year. Um, that's not a process that we want them to rush too much. Um, obviously, that should be first priority, but that's an independent review of all of the information about safety and effectiveness. And then um, and then it would be released. So I think, you know, a more like, the U.S. is sort of saying maybe there might be a vaccine available for there by the end of this year. I think that's a bit optimistic, but I think right. um, we may have something available if these trials and there's three that are going that we know are happening at the Canadian Center for Vaccinology, where I work, and more in discussion. Um, I think if those are six, at least one of those is successful, we might have a vaccine by um, early 2021 on sort of what we call an emergency use. So it would be not mm-hmm. fully licensed for everybody, but it might would probably be prioritized for people at higher risk, especially like healthcare providers and frontline workers and maybe the elderly mm. at this point. Which is like there's Interesting. Um, remdesivir is a, is something that has like been approved for emergency emergency use. Right. That's kind of been something that's been in the news lately. Um, to build off of, of what you said, Brian, there, like, um, now there, I, I feel like a lot of the, you know, since the really early days of hearing about coronavirus before it really, even before it really started, we, before we started seeing it spread into other countries, the conversation around vaccine had really been one of inevitability. Um, and you know, I'm sure that whenever there is something that is killing people, that's killing people, the, the goal is, or the aim would be and the, the, the kind of the best case scenario is to develop a vaccine against it. But yet we have tons and tons of stuff that don't, that don't, that never get there and never have a vaccine. Is it, you know, like you said with the first SARS outbreak or with Ebola, is it, a, is it just a, is it a cause of waning interest or waning um, like spread that, that sees things never get to a vaccine or is it, or is it that, you know, you try and you try and you try and you just don't get there with some things. Um, well, I think, you know, with some, certainly with, with SARS and Ebola, I think it, um, yeah, it was more that the, uh, you know, the disease went away for a period of time. Um, and I mean, this is obviously a completely new virus. I mean, it is a, it's related to, to other coronaviruses, but we um, couldn't completely rely on our knowledge of, of SARS-1, um, but that was a good building block. So, but I think, you know, we haven't had a pandemic that's this widespread um, across the world in a century. So since the 1918 mm. Spanish flu, and, and so this is not going away anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, and we're going to have to find a way to control this probably in every part of the world in order to, um, have it, you know, go away. And it may be something that just is seasonal, like influenza. And so, you know, we have, so it, I think more, maybe the most likely scenario is that we'll get a vaccine that's not perfect, but is closer to the flu vaccine, which is about, you know, 40 to 50% effective and Mm -hmm. does decrease your chance of dying from flu or ending up in intensive care. Um, so it's makes flu less severe. Um, and um, it may be something that we have to get, re, you know, booster shots for um, periodically. Uh, mm. So, um, so it, that, but hopefully we'll do better. And certainly, you know, I don't think that, again, we've seen a scale, you know, flu vaccine is a big problem that lots of people study, but um, 
it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's not something that's, you know, as hasn't had the same, even H1N1 in 2009 didn't have anywhere near the impacts that, that mm. COVID is having. So I think, um, there is a lot of collaboration and innovation happening that's, you know, a, because of necessity of uh, the situation that we're in. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this word from our sponsors. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. The Dose from CBC Podcasts is a new weekly health podcast hosted by Dr. Brian Goldman that cuts through the confusion as we live through a global pandemic. Each week, top experts answer your most pressing questions about the coronavirus and other health topics, providing the latest evidence in a way that's easy to understand. It's your guide to getting through this difficult time. You can subscribe to The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. I know you're not my doctor, um, uh, DKT, but if you were my doctor um, and I and I was asking you like, hey, look, I live with cystic fibrosis, you know, like I I've been I've been essentially stuck in my home since March like 12th. Um, Do you think that it's like I will likely be somewhat restricted to my to the way that I've been used to living my life? Um, and, and sort of like stuck at home until we see a vaccination? Like, is that like, is that bait? Help me. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, like, is that my reality right now? Like that I'm just like, well, yeah, sorry. Like, like that's really, that's the, that's for, for the lowest risk, the lowest way to, the, the lowest amount of risk to live your life. Like that's probably what you're looking at mm-hmm. until we see a vaccination. Like, is that, is that my reality right now? Well, I think we're um, because you're in Halifax, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we're we're very lucky in in Nova Scotia and in Atlantic Canada that we, um, I mean Nova Scotia, you know Halifax obviously had a very big outbreak in Northwood that caused a lot of death, mm. which is you know is really um, unfortunate. And but um, outside of that, we haven't actually had a lot of um, you know severe outbreak of COVID here. Uh, we didn't really we did see some community transmission, so cases you know, popping up in the community where we couldn't really identify how people got the disease. So it was out there, but we hadn't seen, we never really saw widespread uh, community transmission and like, Mm. uh, you know, even like on the scale of Montreal or Toronto or um, even Vancouver in the early stage. So, um, you know, and over the last uh, couple of, you know, over the last sort of six weeks, we've had less than 10 new cases a day. And the last couple of weeks, it's been I think in the last two weeks we might have had you know nine cases in two weeks or something. So, um, so it's really going down. So I would say you know it's it, there's always going to be risk, but um, uh, you know travel restrictions are going to stay in place for some time, and it's uh, and so I I think there is potential for us to be able to control this over the next month or two to the extent that you know I think it would be safe for people to go out. Um, you know, even who have are you know are immune compromised or have you know um, respiratory disease, um, because you know I wouldn't be saying you know going to a, a movie theater as soon as it opens, but getting out right. to parks and you know getting outside and and you know maybe being a bit more careful to wear a medical non medical mask if you're mm-hmm. outside, although it doesn't protect you completely. It's more prevents people from spreading it to others, but um, you know, whatever other things that might make you comfortable. But I think, um, I think there is potential that I think there is hope that you can get out. Um, and thanks. Thanks doc. That's, that's what I was, yeah, that's what I was looking for. But, but I also kind of want to piggyback on that question a little bit and, and, and just ask like, like I'm, I'm seeing, I, I've been looking at like the, the daily case trend, especially in, in Halifax, for example. And you can see that 
you know, the curve was very much flattened over the last few months and and we're we're back down to, you know, having cases having days where there are zero new cases, which is which is incredible. But I'm worried that, you know, we, we keep hearing this uh uh this phrase um second wave. Mm. And so like with the with this second wave coming, I guess my my first question is 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 it inevitable that there will be a second wave, and if if so, um, how do we prevent it from being the same way, affecting the community in the same way that the first wave did? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I, I think Dr. Bonnie Henry is the chief medical officer of health in BC, and and actually a Dalhousie graduate. Um, has, you know, says that there's never been a pandemic without a second wave. Um, but that said, you know, we, we certainly are much better equipped to deal with the second wave um, than we were with the first. Uh, we have, you know, um, much expanded testing capacity than we did when this started, although we were fortunate here to have time to prepare more time than other places. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we have a much better idea right now how the, how the disease is transmitted and the best ways to prevent it from being spread. And unfortunately, the best, most effective ways to prevent spread are physical distancing and um, staying apart and staying home, um, which has been tough on people. But I think, um, so, you know, I, it, it's sounding like, you know, that, I mean, restrictions will be lifted and uh, are slowly being lifted, but public health is keeping a very close eye on cases and they're testing very broadly. So, um, you know, there's a list of 13 symptoms. If you have one symptom, you can go and get a test. And so they're testing these days, um, you know, 500 to 700 people a day and finding zero to one cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think we'll be in a well position to find, identify a second wave very early if we start to see an increase in cases and then we'll public health will be able to go right in, do more testing around those, figuring out what's going on. So I think I guess, it'll be much less. I think I, I guess less. I guess when I hear second wave, like I think of, okay, there's gonna be another huge outbreak. But then, you know, watching the last couple of weeks where day by day, you know, there's there's maybe one or zero new cases. It seems like why can't we just keep this under under control? You know, like if if three or four new cases pop up, then like, aren't we going to be extra cautious and like be able to prevent that? Or, or like, how, how does it get to the point where all of a sudden, you know, it ends up being super spreaders, man. Again? super spreaders. <laughs> super you, get, you get one of those super spreaders and that, and that's but honestly, like, it's, it's like it, you get yeah. this one person who just has it and doesn't know and is going around just, just making out with everyone, and and then it's, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's like it's like mono in, in high school. You know, not it's, that not that um, not that we should be looking to um, you know the the dramatized scenes of movies to to get our information, but are you going to mention Contagion right now? Is that scene, but but it is yeah. you know when you're yeah. when you're watching the opening scenes to Contagion, and yeah. you're just seeing like you know the person that like has the innocent cough. And then like touches something and then they go mm-hmm. in this and they rub their hand on the railing and they do all the things. And it's like, you know, you, all the all like the ways in which but I the guess regular way that we like I, I guess, through the I guess, world. I guess what it really is, though, is it's those turkeys that just don't believe that like this is something that they need, really need to be conscientious about uh, when it really boils down to it. Because it, when you see that and not to like focus too much on that opening scene from Contagion. But when you watch those people, they're being really, like, oblivious to what they're doing. They're coughing on their hands and touching railings and stuff. And, like, that's why we have all of these public health announcements that are like, yeah, but hey, you don't do that do those stuff. Things. You just don't know you that you're doing know. it because exactly. you're doing it subconsciously. It, I mean, like... It's like, it's it's like not, those videos that were no coming one goes, out in... <laughs> and then, like, rubs it on stuff. Like, no one well, does that. Yeah, it's like, it's like those videos that were coming out, like, early days of COVID where you'd see someone set up a camera at their at their desk at their office and they'd be like hey like I, i'm gonna speed up this this footage that i took over like a three period hour period and ding every time i touch my face and and it's this person like just you know constantly touching their face over and over and over you just we just don't mm-hmm. we just don't realize mm-hmm. that, however we have just gone through three months of like the most unique time of our entire lives. And so there's, there's, there's going to be the people that learn from, we're much more from what we've just gone through and be more, more yeah, be more careful. And, and then there's the people that just won't. Speaking of that, um, I am, I do have one last thing that I'm, I'm curious about. 
Um, the first, it's a two-part question. The first one is, how many microchips can we fit into one vial of vaccine? And how autistic will this vaccine make me when I get it? Oh, 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 oh. yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just really joking. throwing but, but listen, it down. But, but, but I do want to talk about vaccine hesitancy because, because I mean, that, that is something that, that I obviously can't wrap my head around. Yeah. Um, I, the, and, and the way that it's been politicized is just like so fucking bizarre, but what, like, what is, is there work being done? Cause it seems like now more than ever, there's, there is this like divide in, in, in vaccines and this whole anti-vaxxer thing has like really just, it's, I I don't know what is in the water. It's like that and flat earthers are just like running rampant around (laughs) like all over the the world. I don't know if it's just the internet or what. But like, is there running work, off the edges? Is, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> is there is there work that that goes into like like public health work that goes into reassuring these people that for whatever reason believe that you know the vaccines are the are the things that are going to turn them into robots or whatever? Um, is there work to be? Is there work being done to like? To educate, to, yeah, to educate and to push people towards like, hey, th- when this vaccine comes, like, this is going to be very important that we all we all collectively do this together, the same way that we all stayed in our homes collectively together. Yeah, so I think that's a, a great point. Yeah, so I, I mean, we certainly know that um, that there's a lot of misinformation and and uh, science denial and vaccine denial um, out there, um, and and you know, some of it spread by not by actual people, but by internet bots and that sort of thing. So um, complicating the picture. Um, fortunately, the vast majority of people actually do accept vaccines and get all, get their children fully vaccinated, um, even if they have some concerns or questions. Um, and then there's some people who, you know, uh, I mean, vaccine hesitancy is on a spectrum and the num- and some people, you know, refuse some vaccines. And then the people that you see online are actually a very small minority, but they are, have a disproportionate voice for sure. Yeah, they're loud. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, over the last number of years, it's been increasingly recognized how important it is to get that public confidence in vaccines and, um, and to address people's concerns. And this is going to be a new vaccine. It's, um, you know, that hasn't been licensed before, and it may use a new um, type of technology that we haven't seen in other vaccines. So uh, there is, I mean, there's certainly been, um, I think there's research ongoing to look at attitudes around vaccines and um, and what people's concerns would be to try to anticipate that. Certainly there'll be a lot of public health messaging um, mm-hmm. and, and further, you know, work to understand what's motivating people to get vaccinated or not, um, because that's really critical if people don't believe in a vaccine or don't, you know, mm-hmm. accept um, the recommendations or don't, um, accept the science behind the vaccine, then, then they're not going to take it. Um, I think the other piece of it here is, um, obviously uh, our lives are completely disrupted and we, you know, there's certain things that we probably won't be able to do until there's a vaccine, like, you know, going to a concert, um, or, um, you know, a large, you know, in-person conference or something like that. And so, um, I, you know, if that is, the incentive if getting back to a more normal life is what um, is going to require getting vaccinated. You know, if, if you're going to have to have a vaccine to get back to a, a more normal life, um, like a pre COVID life, then uh, I think that will be a motivator too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there certainly have already been surveys looking at, you know, how many people would take a COVID vaccine. Um, and some of them have shown that, you know, even without an actual vaccine being out there, you know, 75, 80% of people said they would, and um, which is great. Uh, I think we'll have to see what happens when we have a real vaccine. But, you know, key to that is going to be, you know, convince, make, you know, giving people confidence that it's safe um, and, and effective, but especially that it's safe. And so that's where I want, would be, you know, feel like that would want to be sure that the regulatory review, um, that before the vaccine's license has been carefully reviewed, <laughs> Um, independently reviewed without, you know, undue influence from industry or, you know, politicians or anything um, 
to make sure that uh, it's as safe as can be. And then we're, we're already having conversations in public health around how to, what extra measures do we put in place to monitor the safety of the vaccine once it's introduced. So whether that's mm. to frontline providers, um, frontline workers early in the new year and then beyond that. So that we have really good data. So if there is a problem, we can pick it up early and, you know, figure out what needs to be done um, and that we can hopefully there won't be. And then we can demonstrate to the public that it's safe and we're looking at extra carefully to be sure of that. So I think those are the two components. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I want to say thank you, uh, Dr. Karina Top, for for sitting down with us and and giving us a little bit of insight into the world of vaccines. And and uh, to be honest, like leaving me feeling a little bit less uh, uh, anxiety ridden and a little more hopeful for what we're what we're hopefully feeling see good. Down the pipeline. Feeling good on a feel good Friday episode. How about that? We actually did it for once instead of, <laughs> instead of just a bunch of gloom and doom. Um, so so Karina, thank you so much, and uh, it really we really appreciate you taking the time. Great, thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Well, there you have it. Uh, DKT, laying down some fucking knowledge on vaccines. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out, I mean, I don't think she said it, but but by the look of her face, uh, when I brought up that, uh, that um, autism thing, um, apparently that, it dude, seems- that was a great, that was an on point joke. <laughs> seems like, according to her, that's uh, not possible. So, like, <laughs> like, like when you said, when you said, when I just you said, how on. autistic? Well, am I? Is this going to make me? <laughs> I, 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 I exploded at least on the inside. It was one of those things because you know, like we're talking like medical professionals. It was one of those moments where I, I was, I was. I was sitting on it for a bit, and I was like, I, I don't know if, if she, I don't know if this is going to land well with her, you know? Because kind of like she's very. If she's it's going to land with anybody, it's got to be her. It's kind of like when I said to Chris Hadfield that they didn't land that the moon landing was faked. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, just yeah. Yeah. With, he, he just looked at you. He just looked at you with a blank me. stare. He's like, I'm. I won't even entertain that. Uh, <laughs> Did he, is that how you reacted? I forget. He didn't. That, re- yeah, he, did, he, he just like even, was like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? He's a, he's a, he is he is he can joke around, but he is a he's a rather serious uh, individual. He's a pretty matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's fun to try to toy with him when you when you have the opportunity. So so um, we should say that um, we recorded that conversation. I believe uh, we recorded that conversation uh, last Wednesday, um, as you are hearing this right now, and. Um, and what ha- what happened that it was I think it might have been that same day or the day before we recorded that conversation with uh, DKT was um, and we were having the conversation about second wave with uh, with Karina Top and we were having a conversation about uh, about second wave on last uh, week's Feel Good Friday episode and and it was actually just a day or two before that where uh, things have been on the rise in the U.S. Uh, case wise, yeah, a, yeah, big in a, time. In a, num- a, in a number, number of states. different states that have, uh, <clears throat> that have have seen uh, numbers skyrocket. Actually, before you get into that, Tay, I do want to say, as of re- as of recording this right now, and I know we make these the, these Friday episodes aren't quite as evergreen as a lot of our stuff, but um, it it just seems you know we're talking about COVID, so it it just seems natural to kind of record it in real time and and talk about things in real time for the most part. But mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. of recording this right now today. Uh, which is Wednesday, June seventeenth. Here in Halifax, we are on eight straight days of zero cases, mm-hmm. zero new cases here in Halifax, mm-hmm. which is, dude, oh my god, it is like, feels so good to just see that, just it to does. see that that we're capable of that, and also and also to see that, knowing that two weeks from like yesterday or the day before, mm, uh, the, have been the, open. The, the Black Lives Matter. Uh, huge march happened here in mm-hmm. Halifax. You know, so it's like, yo, businesses we, have been like, have been open and like yeah, operating. Yeah, 
Yeah, so Dude, you, and- you guys, you guys have really been taking me on a roller coaster from Feel Good Friday to Fear Monger Friday with Tay's second wave bullshit stuff, and then Feel Good Friday. <laughs> but now we're gonna good. get back into Fear Monger Friday when well, we talk about the reality of the second wave. Well, and, and then, I don't and know then, how to feel. And then, and then Jared just took us into Feel Good, and I'm just gonna say, you know, Fear. I'm just gonna take us right back and say, in contrast, I think it was like I think there was like 12 or 13 states that saw. Uh, big rises, and I think it was Texas, maybe that saw it. Yes, it's a record high hospitalization rate. That's your uh, um, that's your stomping uh, last, grounds there. Hey, last Mo? week. Hey, it yeah. just goes to say, it just goes to show that <laughs> if you wear a mask, you socially distance, you uh, do those other things like washing your hands and don't be a racist, then uh, then COVID nineteen yeah. won't spread. Yeah, yeah. Y- you're you're right, and, and all it's... racists get it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. That's right. That, that's that's yeah. why everyone in Texas has it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can, you can hey, say hey, it. Hey, you hey. can say it because yeah. you're from there. Uh, no, but for real, when I moved to when I moved to Canada, I was like, oh, I hope no one thinks I'm a racist bitch just because I'm from Texas. Like it was a genuine concern <laughs> of mine. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't the case. But in um, my experience, Texans have been the sweetest people. They have been mm-hmm. in, in in my experience as well. Um. Uh, and to all our Texas listeners, we love you, and and we know you're not racist. Uh, and we okay. at least we hope so. And if you are, uh, don't fuck you. Don't, stop, don't subscribe. <laughs> stop subscribing <laughs> to our podcast. Hey, hey, you know what, Brian? I will say no, not fuck you. Just stop it. Yeah, because yeah. it's yeah. not nice. Because if go. you say fuck you and tell them to fuck off, then they're just gonna say fuck you right back. And that's the past. So fuck you in the past. And now uh, we love you and we support you to be a better person in the future going forward. That's much better. All right. So, uh, so, you know, like Brian said, uh, and like I said, we're on eight days right now in Halifax. I know Ottawa today as recording this, it was their first day of zero new cases since March, um, which means, you know, some places around the world, some places are doing things right and uh, let's continue to work uh, together to do those things right. Uh, if you have a mask, wear a mask when you go out. Uh, wash your hands. If you're traveling, interprovincial travel, self-isolate once you, once you land where you're landing. You're just um, a regular day J- JT, Justin Trudeau up in here, just laying it down. Hey, man. And listen, listen, you know what? Also, I'm just going to let everyone know. Uh, if you want two thousand more dollars, I'm gonna keep. Gi- I'll I'll give it. I'll give you that too. So uh, you know, uh, listen. Uh, serve money. Get uh, that serve money. <laughs> don't, don't be racist. Don't let robots fuck your throat. And um, and uh, vaccines will not give your children autism. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm Taylor. I'm Lauren. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.